You know, I'm going to give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. <laughs> Stop laughing. And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty ass jokes on my ass, too. Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable. Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast. And today, I am pleased to introduce you to Fred Willard, the late great Fred Willard. I'm uh, very excited for this episode. I was a big Fred Willard fan, and I think we ended up finding some uh, good clips for you guys. Um, appreciate you guys hanging in last week. It seemed like everyone actually enjoyed the uh, Danny Polish Chuck experience. I think because it was a train wreck. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even say a train wreck. It was just bizarre. It was very weird. And uh, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad, it seemed like Danny had a nice time, which (laughs) at first didn't seem that way. When he asked me about my Yankees hat and then didn't like my answer, I felt that was when we weren't going to recover, but. (laughs) You're a Yankees fan, right? Yep. (laughs) All right. (laughs) He's like, like, you live in uh, New York? I was like, no, Boston. He's like, why? (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) I'm sorry. Excuse me. But it seemed like the feedback, at least so far, has been good. So uh, if you haven't listened, go check it out. Let me know what you think. We've got um, it. We've got it solely from the Patreon members thus far, though, I think. True. Yeah. For the most part. Yes. It so, just went uh, live. Those of you who have listened to it for free, uh, let us know. But I think we're back to business today with uh, the great Fred Willard. If you want those episodes early, uh, if you want to give us feedback on the Patreon episodes, then feel free to check us out at blindmike.net. That's where you can subscribe to the Patreon. You get Why You Laughing episodes early, as well as uh, the Blind Mike Project, uh, Quincy, More on Money, all the zany stuff we do back there on the Patreon. So check all that out. Or you can support the show for free. Uh, all the links, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, uh, they're all there and do all the things that you do to support shows, liking, subscribing, five-star reviews, uh, all of those links and more are at blindmike.net. So make sure you check that out. I feel like we should also specify for those who are going there solely for why you laughing. It is the $10 tier. Oh yes. Yeah. I should throw that in there because sometimes we get confusion. So yeah, if you want, why are you laughing a week early, become a, an executive gearhead or higher. Um, that's how we rope you in, baby. We give you the good content. Blind Mike Project, who gives a fuck about it, you know? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, the, I had actually attempted a Fred Willard episode a while back. And when I started uh, looking into him, I was like, eh, I don't know. He didn't live, a, other than one incident, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. didn't live a particularly controversial life. So he seems like just a, a nice, regular guy, more or less. And then uh, when I was preparing, for, I, I said, that's crazy. I love Fred Willard. There's got to be enough for an episode. And then I just started pulling clips. And I was like, oh, this is great. I had to stop myself. We had uh, so many clips. So uh, I ended up being exciting for this ep- excited for this episode. Um, and as Craig was kind of saying uh, before we started, uh, I feel like everyone knows Fred Willard from something different. Um, there, I mean, there's waiting for Guffman, there's spinal tap best in show, but he was also in like, everybody loves Raymond and modern family and, uh, that 70s show. And mm-hmm. the guy's been in everything uh, over a, you know, four decade period, pretty much. Uh, and he never, you know, it's hard to say he found like he was a celebrity for sure. 
But like he, there's not one thing you could pinpoint and be like, this is Fred Willard's thing. We'll talk about Fernwood tonight, which is probably my favorite project of his. Um, but I think if you polled, you know, uh, a thousand people that know who Fred Willard is, you're going to get a wide variety of uh, where you know him from. Yeah. If this was like a family feud board, there would be like 12 options. It'd be tough. Yeah. It'd be a tough call. Um, so we are starting with, and we're going to jump around time wise. So uh, don't worry. We aren't missing too much. I hope, but we're going to start with uh, this is spinal tap, which I feel like is where a lot of people say he kind of jumped from just like a character actor to a guy people really recognize. Um, a few things to mention first is uh, I didn't realize he also had um, a talk show from like 85 to 86. It only lasted a year. Uh, it was called who's hot. Who's not, I think was the name of it. So it didn't last very long, but he was nominated for a daytime Emmy. So it must've been all right. And I feel like I could kind of see Fred Willard as a daytime talk show host. I don't know if he would have fit like the old school late night format necessarily. Cause when you hear him talk, we'll hear some clips. He seems like kind of just a nice older gentleman, <laughs> you know, he sure does. Um, but I do think he would have kind of fit that talk show format. He was an improv guy. He started in a duo, uh, called Willard and Greco. And he compared them. I was listening to a few interviews of his and he said they were, you know, very similar and around the same time as Stiller and Mira, the same type of comedy. And it was, it's always weird to find those old clips where it's improv on a late night show or even improv on a, like two people doing improv to me is very difficult to pull off. And you'll see, uh, you ever seen middle ditch and Schwartz on Netflix now? I've seen clips of it. They're actually like, they're very impressive to me because they put out, I don't know if there's a second season yet or not, but they put out like three hour long episodes and it's just them. It's one topic for the full hour. So they're going in and out of different characters and their ability to do that is very impressive. Like, I mean, the old, the old uh, adage is that improv is either God, when it's bad, it's God awful. And when it's good, it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, that's what guys like Fred Willard were able to do. And he was telling a uh, funny story. They've done, uh, they did like the Smothers Brothers and Dean Martin show and everything, but he was talking about uh, doing Ed Sullivan. And he said they had a lot of very like weird experiences on Ed Sullivan of bombing. And one of the examples he gave was Ed Sullivan brought out some like like a college football team. I'm assuming like the national champions that year or something like that. And they're going through all he's Ed Sullivan's naming off all the players. And then at the end of that list, he says, and now uh, Fred Willard and Vic Greco. (laughs) And they just walk out and they, for the, he said for the first like two minutes, the crowd is like, are the, I don't, is this like the cornerback? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Fred Willard obviously found a success in improv and then was, um, chosen for a role in spinal tap. So this is him talking about it first, right? Uh, yes. I do like though that you said, uh, he lived an unco- uh, uncontroversial life. Except for that, well, there's one. one. There's one story that will. Yeah, into. yeah. You go in from zero to sixty real quick. But even even that, he's like a nice man who was who bullied around, frankly. <laughs> but let's let's hear this first about Spinal Tap. My agent called and they said um, uh, Rob Reiner called and he and Harry Shearer and them have this movie 
uh, Spinal Tap is about a hard, as a metal, heavy metal group, and they come to an, an Air Force base, and you're the officer at the Air Force base who greets them, and I said, oh, I'm going to be this jerk. You know, they're going to be a hip group. I said, no, I don't want to do it. So he said, no, they really want to talk to you. I said, Irvin, I, don't, I just don't want to do that. It's, you know, I, I'm tired of playing characters where I'm always this square guy. He said, why don't you just go out and talk to them? I said, okay, I knew Harry Shear. I kind of knew Rob Reiner. And I went out, and they said, look, uh, Rob and Harry are out to lunch, but they want, want, want you to watch this little six- or seven-minute uh, tape they've made. So I said, okay. So I watched it, and it was so extraordinary. I said, I can't believe that they're improvising, and this, these are not real people. So Rob and Harry Shear came back from lunch. I said, I've got to be in this movie. They said, okay, well, we should talk to your agent about money and bill. I said, no, no, I don't care about it. Just, I, I want to be in the movie. He says a couple things there uh, that I think are interesting. First, that he was like tired of playing kind of a square guy, which is interesting because uh, that is how if you're just like, you know looking at and listening to Fred Willard, that's probably what you would cast him as. But even in his later roles, where he'll play you know a drunk or a perv or an idiot, like, oh, he never does it over the top. It's all very very straight in a way that makes it like believable. He's a human being rather than a caricature, you know? Yeah. Lifelong straight man. But a straight man, that's not necessarily playing a straight character. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? He's, he's the straight man who happens to also be aloof. Right. Like, um, uh, Jerry Hubbard, his character on Fernwood tonight exactly. is an idiot. Like he's the jackass role, but he's playing it straight. Exactly. Which is really brilliantly done. And I think that's a skill. So when I started doing this episode, I was originally going to do uh, Fred Willard, Martin Mull, and Eugene Levy as one episode. Um, and then the more Fred Willard kips, clips I kept pulling, I was like, let's just do Fred Willard for this one. We'll get to the other boys. It's another date. But those three guys all stand out to me as having that same skill where they're playing a straight man, but in a way that makes him not a straight man, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, and the other thing uh, he mentioned is, you know, the movie seeming like it's about, you know, uh, real people and seeming so real and Spinal Tap and like a lot of uh, Spinal Tap is one, which, by the way, side note, it's hilarious to think that like Rob Reiner uh, was in maybe the greatest sitcom of all time, all in the family, certainly top, you know, two or three. And then, uh, you know, he made movies like Spinal Tap, and now he's just ranting about the insurrection on Twitter. <laughs> he's obnoxious. It's, it's exhausting. <laughs> like, and this, that guy was a comedic genius, and he's just gotten exhausting. Genius might be too far. I understand. He was funny. <laughs> yes. Anyways, um, Fred Willard talks about, like, this being about, you know, real people and done so well. And uh, this movie and the Christopher Guest movies, things like that, Best in Show, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, they perfected that style that I feel like the office and parks and rec and modern family kind of ended up beating into the ground. Um, like the office obviously did it very, all, all three of those shows did it very well for a long time, but the difference is like, particularly with modern family, like why is this camera crew following them? You know, then it, then it just becomes that style just becomes a crutch for storytelling rather than like a unique device that they were using to get their story across. Correct. But anyways, 
Um, this is uh, probably my favorite Fred Willard scene from Spinal Tap, and I think a pretty good example of what we're talking about. Ah, the uh, strand. You are yes. Spinal Tarp. I'm I'm Janine Petrovic. This is Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Yeah. My mistake. I'm uh, Lieutenant Bob Strand. Welcome to. Sorry, should I have set it up better? I feel like most people know Spinal Tap, but just in case. Um, uh, Fred Willard's a uh, military lieutenant, and Spinal Tap is performing at his base, so he's greeting them. I, didn't, I don't know if that was self-explanatory or not. Air Force Base. This is your gentleman's first visit to a military facility. Find me. I start by saying how thrilled we are to have you here. We are such fans of your music and all of your records. I'm not speaking of yours personally, but the whole genre, the rock and roll, and some of the exciting things that are happening in music today. <laughs> not you in particular, the whole genre. That's a perfect Spot. example of him being just, you know, straight. And like that's a, a perfect example of that. And it's also the perfect example of the type of jokes that Spinal Tap had. And, you know, that if you're not totally paying attention or maybe not even aware that it's a comedy, like if you're watching it as a straight documentary, that's kind of you flying over your head as a joke. You know what I mean? Like that's what they were great at where you can watch Spinal Tap uh, several times and you'll miss a lot. You'll pick up on things like, oh, shit, I didn't even realize that was a funny line because everyone is delivering it so straight and deadpan. Like it's very well done. And, and the band's faces when he says that, they're like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's just really well done. Yeah. And Fred Willard was just a, a, a master of that. In a weird, like he's a weird case where he was typecast in a way, yet all his characters are very different. You know what I mean? Like uh, Jerry Hubbard and his character in Best in Show are pretty similar. Um, but then there he's playing a military lieutenant and everybody loves Raymond. He's like a, a religious man, but they're all the same character in different ways. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the same, uh, the same volume. Yeah. Yeah. The same speed maybe. But, um, uh, before we get to best in show, there was one other thing I wanted to say. Hmm. Christopher Guest. I'm losing my train of thought. Anyways, maybe if we play the clip, we'll uh, remember. So Best in Show is another example, much like Spinal Tap, of something that almost made people believe like it was about a real dog show. <laughs> it, it almost made the Westminster Dog Show popular because of its existence, even though it's a comedy mocking the whole world around it. Um, again, Do we have again a clip of him talking about that? Yep. Okay, let's hear that first. They filmed the dog show part, and, and uh, Jim Pittick and I came in, and the first day, um, they dressed us in tux, and they were going to have the e-electronic press kit, and then they showed us the footage of what they'd filmed of, of the dogs coming through and the woman being attacked by the dog, and then they said to us, uh, now, would you like to do the EPK thing now, or wait till you'd after you'd, you'd filmed? And Jim Pittick looked at me and said, well, if I don't know about Fred, but I just assume do it now since we're dressed for it. Because Jim had flown in from London. He was doing a series there all the way into Vancouver. And that night in the um, hotel room, he called me and says, Fred, they don't have us on the schedule tomorrow. I bloody well have to be back in London on Thursday. So they scheduled us. They got us in on, on Wednesday. And they moved all the extras around behind us. And they filmed us sitting there. And we didn't, we weren't watching anything, but Chris would come up and say, now here's the scene where the sporting dogs come in. Here's the scene, remember you saw this. Here's the scene. So we have to, uh, 
just make it up. And, and Jim Pittick was so real that to this day people say he's a real uh, Westminster dog show, right? I said, no, no, he didn't know anything more about dogs than I did. <laughs> and it's funny because to that point, uh, I think the guy, I don't know if he still does it, but he did for a long time. Uh, Jay Peterman from Seinfeld. Yep. Would do the Westminster dog show. And for uh, there was a time, like I remember seeing that and thinking it was a bit because I liked best in show. And I was like, Oh, they're recreating that by putting Jay Peterman in there. And then you just, it's like bizarre that Elaine's boss is calling the Westminster dog show all of a sudden. Yeah. It was, but, um, I rem- I do actually remember that. Cause I think there was a commercial on like Monday night football or something with him on it. It's very um, strange. And like, yeah. Why is he, why is he doing this? <laughs> But they they just kind of to highlight that they nailed the vibe of what this bizarre world is. These people that are obsessed with their dogs and the the lengths they go to to win this. Um, so this is just a quick clip again of how real they made um, you know this mockumentary look like it was really covering the event. She is really giving him a thorough going over. Are all judges that thorough? I mean, yes, she looks yes. at the teeth. It's very important that all the attributes are examined. Uh, teeth, eyes, Rubs ears, Ouch. gums. Am I seeing right? Where's she putting her hands now? <laughs> well, she's just checking out the dog's uh, testicular area to make, sure, <laughs> to make sure that, uh, that everything is intact. Hate to go out on a date with Judge uh, Edie Franklin and have her judge me. That would be no fun. <laughs> Would you please take your dog down and back for me, please? No, she's having the dogs. Why do they have them run away from them and then back up? What's the point of that? What are they looking for? They're looking for the gait and movement of the uh-huh. dog. And it's very important to see the small angles. So uh, Edie will be checking out this in particular. Good way to judge a woman. Have her run away from you and then run back. One <laughs> of those birds on Connaby Street. Yes. I'm used to seeing them run away from me more often than <laughs> run towards me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The delivery of that is just so great. First of all, like I said, they do sound like a, like they're actually calling the Westminster Dog Show. And even like Fred Willard there, that's not crazy dissimilar from like a, a, a guy in the booth at any no. sporting event, like kind of trying to be funny. Right, exactly. You know? And even so, the way he reacted to her touching the dog's balls was like real. Exactly. And that's what where a lot of comedies... Um, uh, I feel like movies, eh, maybe TV TV shows more than movies. I'm not really sure, but a lot of comedies in general um, miss the mark where they try to cram the jokes down your throat. Like that would have been all one big sentence. What we just watched right there, mm-hmm. and you know Christopher Guest spread it out over a minute, minute and a half, whatever it was. You know, mm-hmm. so they'll let you they'll they'll give you pauses and let you wait for it. They don't need to scream the jokes at you. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Like they don't mind being understated, you know? Yeah. And that, well, that, see, sitcoms are probably the best example of that where, uh, remember on the Patreon, we watched, um, two broke girls yes. and counted the number of actual sentences we could get that weren't set up or punchline. I think we got like one in a whole scene. There might've been one right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's it, like sitcoms get petrified that you're not going to understand it's a joke. Whereas like Christopher Guest movies and Spinal Tap, um, they don't care if you don't get it. Right. 
you know what I mean? Like it's it's for them, really. <laughs> yeah, and then the people that do get it, it's that much better. Exactly, because like you'll watch it with someone, they won't get it. You will, and you're like, you don't understand what this. Then you have to explain to them, and then you kind of open their eyes as well. Exactly. Uh, so where are we going next? SNL. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't realize Fred Willard had hosted SNL in 1978, uh, which speaks to how different that process was. Um, now, granted, I think Fred's going to explain who he was filling in for. So they did still go for stars. Um, but like we talked about with Norman Lear, Norman Lear hosted the first season. Um, Carlin hosted, I think, the first episode. And he wasn't like George Carlin then. He was a famous comedian, obviously, but he wasn't the legend George Carlin. So they would have, you know, kind of figures in comedy that weren't necessarily uh, massive household names come in and host episodes. So, um, I was very surprised when I heard Fred Willard host an episode, but, uh, he talks about that process here. I saw the first show and it knocked me out. It, I said, God, this is wonderful comedy. And I knew John Belushi. I don't know how I'd knew, known him, but I knew him. I didn't know Dan Aykroyd or the others. And one night shortly after I was sitting in the improv and John Belushi walked in and I walked up to him and I said, John, I love your new show. He said, oh, thanks. He was kind of, I said, come on, John. And I took him around the improv. Everyone, this is John Belushi. you got to watch his show, Saturday Night Live. And he was, I, I could tell he was so impressed by that. And um, they had an Emmy show out in L.A. And Lorne Michaels and all of them were at a table. And my wife said, go up and talk to them. I said, I don't want to, you know, go up and talk to them. So I went over and I said, hi, I'm Fred Willard. I love your show. Oh, Fred, I think they all love Fernwood tonight. And a couple of weeks later, I got a call. Uh, I think um, Muhammad Ali was supposed to host the <laughs> show and dropped out. And they said, we'd love you to host it. I said, oh, my God, that would be wonderful. And I have a feeling John Belushi was uh, behind it. you got to use Fred Willard. <laughs> That's a very, no disrespect to Fred Willard, but just as far as celebrity, pretty big drop off. <laughs> you think? Which is what I like about SNL at that time is they didn't they didn't say oh we need another A lister they said okay let's bring in a funny guy we like Fred Willard let's bring him in you know um, and that, you know that speaks to the way SNL has changed over the years but he I'm if, if SNL stayed true to like comedy Fred Willard should have been a guy that was popping in there all the time I know but he I couldn't really- I couldn't find any evidence of him him being back on after that. Yeah, maybe it was a terrible episode. <laughs> it's possible. He mentioned one sketch that he said uh, bombed, but people would, would talk to him about all the time. I couldn't <laughs> find it, but <laughs> you, you could be right. It might have been a rough episode, and Lauren never forgot it. <laughs> um, uh, all right, what's next? Uh, Fred offered Fernwood. Oh, yeah, all right. So we're getting into Fernwood tonight. So um, if you guys have ever heard of the show Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, it was a uh, Norman Lear project. And I believe Martin Mull was on uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman as a different character than he plays in Fernwood Tonight. And uh, it was funny. It's just funny how, I mean, we say this every episode, but just the difference in ways you could talk about things uh, then versus now. Uh, Norman Lear was explaining Martin Mull's character on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. And he goes, uh, yeah, uh, Martin played a, a wife beater and people just loved him. 
<laughs> you could never describe. I know exactly what he means, but you could never describe it that way now. <laughs> so uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman was set in the town of Fernwood and um, Norman Lear wanted to kind of uh, spin off in, in, um, uh, in that direction, see what else was going on in the town of Fernwood. And he found a very unique way to do that. Uh, so first we'll hear Fred Willard discuss kind of the beginning of that process. I got a call to go in to see the people who are doing this show called Fernwood Tonight. And whoever called me said they want you to be the host. And I said, oh, that's interesting because at Second City I had played, we'd done the, um, uh, a show about an amateur hour where I was the host of a show called The Amateur Hour and all these awful amateurs came on. Uh, one of them played a, a musical broom, and one of them had a catatonic fit on the show. And I said, that's right <laughs> down my alley. Uh, and meanwhile, I'd done a pilot for a, a, a show called Space Patrol or something. I was spoof, a spoof on Star Trek and uh, those sh shows. So I thought, you know, I was the star of that. I said, gee, you know, I'll be a star of a sitcom. That'll be great. Um, so they called me and they said, no, no, you're not going to be the host. You're going to be the co-host. You're going to be like the Ed McMahon. And I said, gee, I'm not quite right for that. They said, Martin Muller's going to be the host. I said, oh, God, he's great. i just seen him in a, in a club. I said, but you know, to be the Ed McMahon, I started listing other people who would be good for it. And they said, no, no, don't, don't list other people. Everyone th thinks you'll be just right for it. And I said, I don't know. I've done this pilot for this uh, T, this space uh, spoof. And um, they said, well, again... They said, would you just come in for a week while we, we do run-throughs until we find someone who will be right for it? I said, okay, sure. So I went in, and I found it so hip, and I just fell in love with Martin Mull. He had such a sharp sense of humor um, that after about four or five days, I went up to them, and I said, guys, I think I'd like to be do this. I mean, it was much... I wasn't the Ed McMahon. As Martin Mull pointed out several times, it was not a spoof of The Tonight Show, because that would last about one night. What it was is a, a show, a cable show that came on in this little town of Fernwood, where Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, uh, was done. And someone wondered what it would be like if they had their own cable um, talk show. So, uh, a couple things there. But Did you catch when he said he did some pilot for a show called like Space Patrol or something like that? Yep. I believe the title of that pilot was Space Force, <laughs> which led to uh, Jimmy Kimmel bringing him in when uh, Donald Trump announced uh, that he was implementing a Space Force. Uh, Fred Willard uh, resurrected his character from that pilot on Kimmel, I guess. <laughs> and he was also in, sadly, uh, the last live action work that Fred Willard did was Steve Carell's Space Force, unfortunately. Of course, right? <laughs> Didn't go quite as well. <laughs> it went about as well as the pilot that Fred shot, I think. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing there is, first of all, it's funny to hear Fred Willard say, like, ah, I don't think I'm right to play the sidekick when he ended up, like, nailing. The he doesn't have, if you listen to this uh, interview, he did a bunch with... Um, um, foundation interviews or something. You can find a ton of shit on YouTube with that. And um, he's talking about uh, his role on Everybody Loves Raymond as well. And he says they wanted him to play um, Robert Barone's father-in-law. And Fred Willard's son 
in Everybody Loves Raymond is played by Chris Elliott. And Fred Willard's talking about how he's not nearly old enough to play uh, Chris Elliott's father, blah, blah, blah. He keeps talking about how he's not old enough to be in the role he's in. Meanwhile, I looked it up. He's like 20 years old. <laughs> like He's easily old enough to be Chris Elliott's father. <laughs> Like he, he's got so, yeah. he's got the same traits as you. Every time someone like says, "Oh, you'd be great for this," you're like, "No, I'm no good." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "You know, you don't want me for this. Don't worry. <laughs> don't listen." Um. So while uh, you know, I guess Norman Lear said it's not a um spoof of the Tonight Show. I do think they are kind of goofing on some of that format, or maybe not necessarily Carson, but other people that have that tried the talk show format at that time. They are certainly um, poking fun at that, uh, as well as cable access and things in small towns. But um, we'll now hear because, you know, the little I've seen of Fernwood tonight, there's not a ton, which, by the way, uh, they did spin off into two different variations. Uh, Fernwood Forever, I think, was the name of one. And then the other was America Tonight, where it becomes like a national broadcast. And I've never heard anyone talk about that. Maybe we'll have to do a whole uh, Fernwood Tonight episode to do a deep dive into that a little bit. I've never heard any, uh, any, you know, any legendary tales of it. But it seems weird to have like this perfect... Absolutely perfect, especially when it's created by Norman Lear to have this absolutely perfect angle on something like uh, a talk show with a lot of pomp and circumstance built around it based on the town of Fernwood and completely ruin it by saying like, ah, oh, we're a national show now because that just takes away any appeal from it. Right. Um, but what's it? We have him uh, talking about his character, Jerry Hubbard. Yep. Yeah. So let's hear a little bit about that. Jerry Hubbard was the character who had been born and raised in this little town of Fernwood. And I guess his history was he'd played um, uh, a host of children's shows, and he was kind of a beloved character there in town, kind of a dimwit. And um, uh, Barth Gimble, Martin's character, was this flashy guy who'd been brought in from Miami. I guess he'd been kicked out of Miami for some kind of scandal, and he took over the show. He was kind of the, the Sharpie, the city guy. And uh, so that was, our, that was our teaming up there. I think Jerry's strength was he would say anything that came to his mind, and I think a lot of people are related to that. He would say anything he was thinking. You know, he didn't hold anything back. He didn't have any grudges. He would, if, he, if he got mad and pouted, it would just be for a few seconds, and then he'd open up again. Um, uh, he would say what people were thinking. He would ask questions. His weaknesses, he would say the obvious a lot of times, and he would say dumb things. Um, and um, one of the best things, Mar Martin's character would, uh, when I'd go on and on, he'd say, oh, look, Jerry, and point over there, and I'd look, and I was left looking um, for, for something. Uh, but um, So he wasn't that bright, but he was kind of a lovable character. <laughs> it's funny, like, you the, the depth with which he goes into talking about that character is very funny because mm. I'm the start like this is a show where he's just on a talk show. Like you wouldn't think there would be that much character depth put into uh, the process behind Jerry Hubbard, but it's interesting to see his approach in, you know, almost creating like a backstory for him. Um, but 
the main thing that stood out to me there, him talking about this character, is I have always said I thought in a different world. He was obviously probably too old by the time uh, Steve Carell left the office. But, you know, in a different world, I thought Fred Willard could have played a Michael Scott type character on a successful television show. I remember, I think probably when Fred Willard died, um, we mentioned it on uh, KMS and Kirk said, I don't know if he could pull off the, um, like the emotional scenes, the serious stuff, which I don't know that I agree with. Cause I just think he's such a good actor. And they say that very often comedy is harder to pull off than drama, but there was one little story uh, that Fred told that's in his first movie. Um, he plays a man who, uh, I believe attempts to sexually assault the daughter in the movie. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, when, when he went to go see it, see himself in it, the crowd audibly booed. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know if I may, maybe they were just booing the scene in general, but I don't know if they got lost in Fred's Fred Willard's work necessarily. (laughs) He was just so convincing. (laughs) (laughs) That could be it. Yeah. I don't know. But it's, it's it's hard to say because I've only seen him in those, you know, kind of wacky roles. I don't know that I've ever seen him play serious necessarily. I've been trying to think dramatic. of I've been trying to think of that this entire time. Yeah, I don't I don't know that there is an example of that. But again, he's such a good actor that I wonder if he could have pulled it off. I do I will admit Fred Willard in a romantic scene feels weird. Definitely. But that, again, that just is because we've never seen it. You know what I mean? I think you would say the same thing about Steve Carell and Bob Odenkirk, who Carell has gone on to be a pretty good dramatic actor. I think Better Call Saul is one of the best shows on television in the last 20 years. Um, and Bob Odenkirk does a great job with that. So they were both able to be, you know, for lack of a better term, romantic leads. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean um, Fred Willard could do it, but... You know, I feel like Eugene Levy has pulled it off in different roles to an extent. Well, even in American Pie, he has some serious scenes. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's hard to use American Pie as the example. No, no, of, I know, uh, but I'm saying like... your heartstrings. But. He has like emotional scenes with his son that don't involve pies. Right. <laughs> this is, uh, my, by the way, a uh, quick aside. My uh, favorite Eugene Levy line in America... I think it's actually in American Pie 2. And I'll, I've used it a lot just in life where... Uh, Jason Biggs super glues his hand to his penis and they have it surgically removed and he has ointment to uh, to try and heal it and they give him a new they say like uh, the ointment they're giving him will take like five to seven days and he says that that's not going to be he needs it quicker and they give him a new one they say they should shave it shave a day or two off and Eugene Levy just goes well that's good news this has been a good news day, son. <laughs> and just him referring to that as being a good news day is one of my favorite lines ever. But anyways, we're not here to talk about Eugene Levy. We're talking about Fred Willard. So this is Fernwood tonight, which might be the most underrated television show of all time. Um, I've seen it get n- noted in the last, maybe the first time I ever heard it, um, heard of it, Pat Oswalt was on Opie and Anthony and mentioned it. And uh, it those his, guys had never heard about it at the time. Was it his ex-wife's favorite show? 
All right. I have no way of knowing that. So Sorry. just move on. Let's all move on. Sorry. I I'll give Craig a pass on that because it is his duty now to bring 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 up horrible rumors about Pat Oswalt. Every that time, I don't think are true. I feel like every time he remotely even tweets about something now, someone's tagging me like, "And hey, he killed his wife, right, Craig?" <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So I heard Pat Oswalt bring it up. Since then, I've heard it referenced. I mean, very very rarely. So there are some people aware of it, but. Often when we talk about like underrated, like I point to community as being underrated a lot, but that's a lot of people's go-to shows. You know what I mean? It's kind of like I said about Attell versus uh, Doug Stanhope, mm -hmm. where I think Attell is criminally underrated, but one point in his favor is that everyone says he's underrated. Every comic. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of your go-to guy for who's the most underrated comic. Whereas Doug Stanhope, people kind of forget about him. And to me, Fernwood tonight is kind of the Doug Stanhope of underrated televisions where it is truly great and not enough people know about it yeah. to defend it. Really? Bisbee, Arizona is not really a bustling metropolis. Yeah. Bisbee, Arizona is the Fernwood of, <laughs> of comedy. <laughs> exactly. So uh, these are examples of what I'm talking about. Like, like we set up Martin Mull, who plays, by the way, Barth Gimble, amazing name <laughs> for comedy. <laughs> Just a ridiculous name. I don't know where Norman Lear uh, came up with that. Bar because Barth is not a name, is it? I think I've heard it before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Barth Gimble. Uh, so Barth Gimble and Jerry Hubbard are uh, talk show hosts in this small town of Fernwood, and these are the type of topics that they would tackle on this program. I believe the, our first one is called "Talk to a Jew." Yes. Yes, because uh, in this little town, they don't uh, frequent it very often, so they're stunned. Yes. <laughs> so they caught one. <laughs> Hope that seat's all right. I'm not, not sure what you're used to. Uh, <laughs> welcome very, very, very much, Morton. Uh, I guess it was just our luck that you were stopped today as you were driving through town, and it was the, the police chief's idea, and a pretty good one, I think, in fact, to have you on the show because, well... It occurred to him that many Fernwooders or Fernwoodians or Fernies, whatever they're calling themselves these days, um, have actually never seen a real live Jew before. And, uh, <laughs> and I think as your troubled, though very nice people know, um, it's just this kind of, I don't know, ignorance that often breeds contempt and prejudice and stereotyping. And, and I think we can help stop some of that by just letting them yes, see you and see what you're all about. That's true, Bob. Yes. Uh, and it's, I think uh, it's a service to let people know that you actually are, which I say, harmless and just like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I think right now we can uh, put an end to a stereotype because, as you can see, he's uh, completely normal looking. You look just like the rest of us. It's as plain as the nose on your face. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, such amazing delivery of those lines. The writing is beautifully subtle. And just the like the delivery of, I guess people should know that, what would, would you say, harmless? <laughs> As if he, he's not quite sure if they're harmless or not, but... It's as plain as the nose in your face. <laughs> and so, again, this is a thing that, uh, you know, our generation kind of lost is that Jerry Hubbard is the idiot in this situation. 
the Jewish guy is kind of the protagonist for putting up with these two idiots. You know what I mean? Like their lack of knowledge about uh, Judaism and like their ignorance and belief in stereotypes is what we're laughing at. Like we are laughing at them the same way you laugh at Archie Bunker or Larry David or whoever the Eric Cartman, whoever the, the object of that humor is uh, we're laughing at them. You know what I mean? Like that's what people have lost where you could never do this now. This this guy, if this was done today, you might be able to make the same jokes. You know what I mean? Like SNL might be able to write that, but the Jewish gentleman would have to own them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he'd have to have a snappy retort and really put them in their place. He yeah. couldn't just sit there and, you know, let them sit in their own idiocy. Jokes aren't allowed to breathe anymore. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, they continue talking to a Jew. Yes. Yeah. They take calls. <laughs> oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. So obviously, uh, the, the Fernwoodians have to get in because they've never uh, seen a Jew before. So they have to talk, they have to, talk to him. <laughs> you can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is, it's such a funny idea and it is so clearly mocking racism and people's ignorance and the idea that, uh, a lot of people haven't been exposed to other cultures. It's so clearly making fun of that. And it's just disappointing. It sucks that that type of stuff isn't being done today. Hmm. Because I think it would be so much easier to pull off now, you know? Correct. Do you have a family? Yes, I have a boy and a girl. One each. Yeah, it's amazing, really. I think this is quite a, an education for any Fernwoodians who may have never seen a Jew. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've met Jews yourself before, though. Oh, you? definitely, yes. I've Should talked be. with them. I've had dinner with them. You name it. I know them inside <laughs> now, definitely. <laughs> what tribe are you from, Mr. Rowe? <laughs> What tribe? Yes, sir. Well, I'm I'm originally from Toledo. Our phone lines are open now. In case any of you have never had the pleasure and would like to talk to a Jewish person, we invite you invite you to call us at five 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 six two four. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and dial five 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 six two four. Our lines are open. Don't be afraid. That's how they are in Fernwood. You ask them to call and they call. Yeah, someone was sitting right on the phone. Oh, That's great. Hello. See, like that I didn't even catch. Don't don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call. <laughs> like there's just so so much little shit. You're able to do that with the way that these things are written. You're just able to cram so many little nuanced jokes that people aren't even looking for. <laughs> it's like, uh, I think that they were told before, just pretend he's like a tiger that can read books. <laughs> don't be afraid. <laughs> don't, don't be afraid. Talk to a Jew. You're on the air. Uh, is this the Jew? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, this is Barth Gimbel. The Jew is sitting beside me to my right. Would you like to talk to him? Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, I'll talk to you and you can give him this message. Gladly. Uh, I'd like to know when Barbara Streisand's next movie will be out. Okay, I, you heard that over the speaker here, so okay, you can go right ahead. Uh, well, I don't know, but uh, I, I'd like to see it myself, though. I, I think she's very good. You must be very proud of her. Uh, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Just the way Fred Willard is just like, you must be proud. Like, you, of course you are. You're all related, right? 
And I have to say, the actors they got to play these people played so well. Uh, it's like I said about Seinfeld a couple weeks ago, where I was. I've always been amazed that Seinfeld has been was able to uh, just find character actors that fit their tone so well. Mm. This guy and uh, the next guy that we're about to see, who I believe is an ethnologist, he's the race expert. Um, <laughs> they 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 fit their characters so well and are exactly what the show was going for. Like, it's amazing that they were able to find that or at least, you know, coach them into doing what they wanted as well as they did. Whatever, whatever the process was, they fucking nailed it on Fernwood tonight. Definitely. By the way, let us know. Cause these are my two favorite scenes that I'm showing you guys. Um, I can't say I've seen a ton of Fernwood tonight. Just, uh, just clips. So if you guys know of um, better or more stuff, we could do a whole Fernwood Tonight episode. Uh, I just don't know that I know the full catalog. Get on it, people. But um, all right. So we're going on to a, a race expert, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty much a doctor of race is in the building uh, in this episode. Pretty lucky to have you here. Uh, doctor, can you uh, explain a little bit about your research? Well, Barth, um... America, as we all know, is famous as a melting pot. Uh, many diverse ethnic groups have been thrown together sure. uh, suddenly, and this leads to bigotry and name-calling, uh, the uh, origins of uh, various racial prejudices uh, are what we are trying to uh, put an end to and stop stereotyping once and for all. There's probably uh, too much of that, more than we even need. <laughs> So you studied various nationalities just to find out, um, you know, how people come become uh, prejudiced against them. Is that it? Exactly. Uh, all all races are alike. Uh, we are all the same. Does that uh, does that apply uh, like to the Dago also? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, to all. Yes, I think all I understand. <laughs> Ah, uh, just so beautifully done. Even just like, uh, probably even more than we need. <laughs> As if you know, we need some stereotyping, of course. But <laughs> does that apply to the Dago? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so such a, a beautiful job. And as a ta- an Italian, I'm not offended. That's how well done it was. Me either. Um, we have one more with the race expert. Yes. Yeah, it's entitled "More Jew Jokes." <laughs> Yeah, well, they get back. They're going through a lot of uh, Jews. I'm, I'm sorry, a lot of races. <laughs> they, they get back. Freudian slip. Folks. They're going through all the races, and they, of course, uh, get back to the Jews. What did your uh, study show about other groups? Why zero in just on the... Uh... Well, uh, that's strange you should ask, but uh, we... Um studied the electrocardiographs of our Jewish friends and uh, tried to learn about the uh, Jewish aversion to alcoholic beverages. Uh, they don't drink a lot, do they? No, Jewish people That's don't true. like to drink. Uh, but we are afraid we'll have to pick up a tab. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> Man, my favorite part is that, like, like the doctor is in, he's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, so yeah, so well done. Do yourself a favor. Uh, both those clips are a lot longer, obviously. So you can check out those or any other Fernwood tonight. There's a bunch on YouTube. Um, so go check those out. Cause like I said, it's one of the most underrated shows of all time. And so 
perfectly done. It's amazing. Like of all the shows Norman Lear was known for, I would put this in the top two or three of the ones he should be known for. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like obviously all in the families in a category of its own. I'll even say the Jeffersons um, because it was kind of showing it was the same level of uh, maybe not the same level of humor, but it was also very funny and also showing kind of from like a black perspective and like a well-to-do black family, which wasn't seen on TV at the time. So I'll give you those two. But after that, I think Fernwood tonight is probably number three on his list. It's definitely up there. I wish, uh, I wish it got more of a chance. Uh, I know. Well, that, that's the weird thing is they, it did to some extent because they made different variations so I can't even hate on like the networks for not giving it a shot. It might've just not done well in the ratings for whatever reason. Yes. Yeah. We'll never know. Um, well, or we will, if we do a friend with tonight episode, we'll see. True. Um, all right. So, uh, are we moving on to his biggest career regret? Yes. Uh, I mean, this is an obvious one. I like, you can picture this so easily. Uh, the role that Fred Willard, turned down it's actually not the one you might guess when you hear it but uh he would fit perfectly in this project biggest regret um one thing i they offered me the movie um airplane and i was doing real people at the time and um i had just done a movie i think called moving violations that got terrible reviews. And someone says, doesn't anyone ever read these scripts? <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, I got offered this movie, Airplane, and I read it, and it was just a lot of puns and played on, plays on words. And um, I said, gee, I don't know, I read it, and then uh, I read it again, and I was in Chicago, and my manager called me, said, what do you think? Do you want to do it or not? I said, I don't know, I don't much care for the, the the script uh, and he says listen Fred if you don't want to do it don't do it you're doing real people I said okay just tell him I don't want to do it so I turned it down and that summer I'd been in uh, um, Buck Henry's movie uh, um, First Family and we we're doing looping and Buck came into the looping session he says well I just saw this summer's big hit we said oh what's that he said airplane I said oh, oh I made a mistake <laughs> now I look back on it. Why the hell I didn't want to do that? I played the pilot. I played the hero. Um, I think that's my biggest uh, regret. But my wife pointed out, she said, Fred, if you'd done the role, it might not have been that successful. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Mary Willard. Um, so it's the, I, I assumed it was uh, the Leslie Nielsen role. It was the Robert Hayes role, I guess. That would have been great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, can't you clearly see Fred Willard in that? Yeah. And it's very funny that he was kind of bitten. I mean, in the end, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's still Fred Willard. Um, and I don't know that like that role would have launched him into superstardom or anything. He just would have been perfect for it. But um, the, the interesting thing is that he turned it down kind of because of the same reason he's perfect for every role he does take. Yeah. <laughs> like he said, on paper, it just seemed like puns and like, who gives a fuck? But like, look at the clip we played of uh, Spinal Tap and maybe losing out on that role inspired him to take a lot of those roles. But like a lot of the roles that Fred Willard is in, on paper, it might not look funny. 
Right. But like through his delivery and the way the scene is set up and everything, it's amazing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so unfortunately we didn't get Fred Willard in the airplane, but we got him in many other things. Uh, it just dawned on me. Our generation probably best knows him for Anchorman. Yeah, probably. Uh, to the point where he has one of the most overused lines in uh, movie history, like a lot of lines in that movie are, um, where he says, uh, uh, anything you put on that teleprompter, Burgundy will read. Which, Anchorman is the greatest example of a funny movie that we all ruined. And I throw myself in there because I quoted Anchorman a lot as a kid. Yeah, how many times but, did you hear someone say, like, it mean, no matter what someone, they'll be like, uh, what does this mean? Someone will be like, a whale's vagina. A whale's vagina. I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, I love scotch. I mean, so many things. Uh, 60% of the time, it works every time. That line's funny. They're, they're all funny. <laughs> but my issue is, and I did it as a kid, we all used it so many times, and it was used by every sports center anchor. You know what I mean? Like, they were all used at a, an exhausting rate to the point where now if you went back and watched it, it's not, it's not dissimilar from a Caddyshack where if you watch Caddyshack now, after living a life, you're like, ah, oh, that's a hack line. You don't realize they came up with it. <laughs> hey whitey, where's your hat? You don't realize they wrote that. You just think it's something people have said for 40 years, you know? <laughs> right. No, I, anyways, I, uh, anchorman, it took me like two or three watches before I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Oh, really? And I think it was Fred Willard who made me like it. He's the greatest. Yeah. And uh, another another role he's perfect for. There's never been a role I've seen Fred Willard in that I haven't enjoyed him. I can't think of one where I'm like, ah, he doesn't really fit here. That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. He's um, always got guess- such a, a fucking hilarious dry humor. Like uh, I was telling you before, I used to love him on Tim and Eric's awesome show. Yeah. Because that is a, a that show is so dumb but funny and it's perfect for him. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? It it makes me a little sad that, um, uh, this is why I liked that Eugene Levy got to do, uh, shit's Creek. And I mean, it's even cooler that he got to do it with his son, I guess, but Eugene Levy has a role now, uh, that he is, you know, known for, for lack of a better term. He has a lot of roles that he's known for, but like, Kind of a signature, like he's the he's the dad in Shit's Creek. He was nominated for a bunch of Emmys. That's uh, I think that will kind of be looked at as a a classic show. Certainly the best sitcom of the last five to ten years, probably. Right? I haven't seen an episode. Maybe ten. Maybe ten is too long. But the last five years, certainly. Um, but it's kind of a, iconic. Is probably too strong, but it's a role that like, you know, a lot of people observed him in and he got acknowledgement from fans and critics that he was great. And it was a, you know, fairly long running sitcom. And it kind of bums me out that Fred Willard never had that necessarily. You know what I mean? Like he would have been great if he found a sitcom he was perfect for. Like the, like I said, I think he'd be perfect on the office. Uh, He would have been really great on the office in honestly, any role. Not yeah, even necessarily really. Michael Scott. He just fit that he type. Easily of could humor. have been a very different Dwight. You yeah. Know? Right. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, it, they, the, those roles would have changed, but like Fred Willard would have done them very well. Um, so then, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is that I, revisionist history. I wish he had uh, whatever the show would be. I wish he had that where he was on it for 
eight seasons. He's one of the main characters. You know what I mean? Like where he really gets the respect he deserves. Yeah. And instead everyone remembers him for something else now. Oh, that's right. Jeez. I'm glad, actually glad you reminded me. I almost (laughs) forgot about that. Well, I knew we were going to go into our, um, we're going to, we normally somehow find a way to use Norm Macdonald in these things. Well, this was an easy one. Fred Willard was a guest on the greatest talk show of all time. Norm Macdonald live. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll close with that. Uh, but yeah, I should acknowledge the man is a monster. <laughs> Fred Willard was a sexual deviant and a pervert <laughs> in a pervert theater. So in 2012, he was arrested uh, at an adult movie theater for suspicion of lewd behavior, um, which pretty pretty much means he was cranking his pud at some porn which 2012 i don't know how many adult theaters were still around i want to know who goes to an adult theater and tattles on someone jerking off um i believe i want to say it's run on hirschberg i could be wrong but he has a great whoever it is whoever i'm thinking of has a great bit about that where he's like who is going to the theater and seeing someone jerking off and then walking out to the <laughs> the ticket taker and saying, um excuse me <laughs> I I tried to bring my family out for a nice day at the cinema. (laughs) It's a bunch Um, of people going in way too many clothes to hide their identity (laughs) into an adult movie. Yeah, right. I I feel like it's a gentleman's agreement. Hey, no one, no one tells on each other here. Exactly. So I don't know. I don't know what happened that day. Uh, But yeah, Fred Willard was cranking his pud at an adult movie theater. He must have looked high and low for that thing. I also, I also assume it's kind of like uh, bathroom urinal rules, like everyone to a row, no eye contact. Yeah, gr- great point. Like, who's sitting next to him? Like, oh, brother. <laughs> Don't <laughs> talk guy. to me. Yeah, it's the guy that pisses next to you in the bathroom. That's who told on him. Right. And I just imagine that guy being like, oh, I'm sitting next to another masturbator. Can I just enjoy the show? <laughs> you got Put some of my new away. shoes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, poor Fred Willard. Um, he put out a statement saying he was, it was, the experience was very embarrassing. He was never charged. Um, so no harm, no foul, but he did. I didn't realize this. He lost, I guess he was on some show on PBS and they got rid of him because of that incident. Yeah. Like if it was very, if very- it was a fucking Disney movie. Yeah, I get it. But like, it's a very, I mean, PBS, I guess, I, I, I guess, but this is why I always say it's a knee jerk reaction. Everyone laughed at Fred Willard for a while about that. Now some people still bring it up. It's a funny thing, but no one gives a fuck. No. You know what I mean? Just give it a wait a week before you react to these quote controversies. <laughs> but Hey, at least, uh, hopefully Fred Willard blew his load and at least enjoyed his afternoon before. Uh, although I imagine if he was arrested, he probably didn't. That's all you can do in jail. So he probably. Do you did. think they waited until he walked out of the theater? At least have a little courtesy. Let the man finish, sir. We have to bring you in on suspicion of lewd behavior, not definitely jerking off and yeah. In, in sir, wrap it up before we take you. <laughs> yeah, you just hear a knock. You done? <laughs> uh, so also, like I said, like to kind of close out his career a little bit. Uh, he did win an Emmy for. Uh, his guest appearance on everybody loves Raymond Um, as well as modern family. I believe I think he may have won an Emmy for that too. I always feel weird saying you won an Emmy because they're like, they're only in a few episodes. It's not the same as winning best supporting actor, you know, Mm. 
but regardless, he still got it. Um, and uh, I love Fred Willard, one of my favorite comedic actors ever. And uh, luckily, I got to watch him on Norm MacDonald Live. So here's a few clips from that. Um, what's the first one? Uh, it's just called Norm MacDonald Live. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's just hear it then. For, for a town like Galaxy, says you and Martin Mall play a gay couple on Roseanne. I remember that because I wrote on that show Did while you? that happened. Yeah, they, they, they wanted me to, I, I saw Roseanne. And you had a gay marriage. I think we were the first one on TV. Yeah. yeah. And I was scared to death because in the script, when we got married, it called for us to kiss each other. Good God. And <laughs> I'm, what, it just for some reason, you're that's, homophobic. I didn't. Yeah, you're no, 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 no. That, that's, I wouldn't even kiss you. No, I understand. You're homophobic. Uh, no, no. Wrong with that. I know you're, you're, you're not gay. I know you're bisexual, yeah. but I still have my thoughts about kissing someone you've known. It's like kissing your dad sure. on the mouth. Yeah. I remember sure. a joke you did on, I think it was David Letterman. You said, David, have you ever seen a, a gay porn film? You, you, you watch adult films, and Dave said, yeah, have you ever seen the one with all men? He says, yeah, the gay the gay ones. You said, they're awful. <laughs> <laughs> Made it sound like they couldn't get any women. It is. They just, had nothing, nothing they, they just couldn't get any women. But we'll do a porn movie. <laughs> it's not going to go. No one's going to put money into that. Good for Fred Willard having some fun. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about his role. Uh, that's why one of the reasons I put that clip in there to remind me about Roseanne. Um, he says that, and I've seen conflicting reports. I think he was the second couple uh, to be involved in a gay marriage on national television. I think the first was um, Fred. I think Friends might have beat them to the punch. Not exactly sure. But regardless, uh, him and Martin Moe were the gay couple on Roseanne. They got married. Um, so I don't know why I said that like that. I had nowhere else to go. Um, gay TV history. I guess I can find it. Well, this will probably be at the beginning of the next episode. Excellent. Yes. Correct me on that, folks. Let me know. Um, but I, I just love Norm's delivery. <laughs> when he says they wanted us to kiss and Norm goes, good God. <laughs> he goes, I wouldn't even kiss you. I know you're bisexual. <laughs> Hey, Norm also has the best delivery of the word gay of all time. Gay. And he played a uh, gay couple. <laughs> uh, you're homophobic. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's hear the next clip. Uh, the, next, the next one is jokes, and then there's one more joke, and that's what we got left. Okay, perfect. So as you guys know, uh, Norm MacDonald has his guests do jokes. He does some jokes as well. Uh, best in the biz. Norm McDonald Live. Go watch. If you haven't watched it based on the amount of times I've recommended already, you're a fool. So uh, let's hear Fred Willard do some jokes. So this is where we do jokes. This is a section oh. where we do jokes. Oh. It's kind of comic relief. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so would you like to do a joke? I, if I can think of one. Well, you, no, you I give them to you. The, oh, you give them to all. That's the great thing. The guest doesn't have to think up a funny right. story or a joke. Where we give them to them to read. That's Malaysian Flight 370 is still missing. You know where they're going to find it? The last place they look. <laughs> now, is that the best That's one? Kind of a, or is this better? Now, this is a different Malaysian not Air Force joke. The pilot's last words, I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on a motherfucking plane. <laughs> that could be. Yeah, that could be. You're giving me these great jokes. Okay. 
We're going to have Adam Egan do a joke. Oh, good. Uh, and it's Adam, not Andy. No, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. You don't hear any more about... In the camera. Oh, sorry. Uh, you don't hear any more about Bob Costas' uh, infected eye. Who is stonewalling this investigation? <laughs> Thinking, it, oh, thinking about a year, I would, I would work on my delivery, but uh, it's it's just not working out. I, I think the the joke you don't is don't hear anymore about Bob Costas' uh, infected eye. Who's stonewalling this investigation? <laughs> <laughs> He's a consummate amateur. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just love that when Fred Willard says it, it gets a laugh. <laughs> no, when uh, Fred Willard did the best. Like straight face I've ever seen after you get Reddit. He's just staring <laughs> him without moving. A consummate amateur. Um, the first gay wedding on television was 1991 on a show called Rock. R -O really? ROC. Roseanne's was second, and that was four years after. Okay, so Roseanne's was second. I just had it wrong with Friends, I guess. But uh, 1995 on on Roseanne. Very nice. Well, good for them. And to think, they call Roseanne a bigot, you know? <laughs> she is, right? Anyway, <laughs> well, maybe a little. No, I kid. I thought um, the bitch right. was white. <laughs> exactly. She thought, I believe that firmly. I do too, actually. Um, all right. One more joke uh, on the great Norm MacDonald live. Let's do no, a nice not. joke to clean it up. Opinions are like assholes. Neil Patrick Harris wants to stuff. <laughs> I should, you should let me read this ahead. <laughs> Opinions are like assholes. Neil Patrick Harris wants to stuff his cock in them. Oh, wait, that's just assholes. <laughs> it didn't get a laugh, but I'm laughing. That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very funny to make Fred Willard say things like that. <laughs> I like that he didn't like a lot of times on that show. People get the card and read it. He just went yeah. into it. He's like, I trust you. <laughs> he shouldn't have. <laughs> no, but that, uh, to close things out, that is that is the great thing about Fred Willard is if you're looking at him on uh, on paper, for lack of a better phrase, you know, if you're kind of just judging him as a stereotype, you would think of him as a buttoned up. Um, you know, morally conservative kind of guy. And he's in some of the, you know, raunchiest humors ever. I think the American pie that he's in, like American Wedding or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's his wife is the character that like eats a piece of shit or something. You know what I mean? Like based on the way Fred Willard, Fred Willard looks and speaks and everything, you wouldn't think he would have the catalog of work that he does. I, and that's I checked, what I really respect about him is he wasn't, um, didn't look at himself as too highbrow or above anything. I checked his IMDB. How many times do you think he was credited as being an actor? Say 109. You are so far off. <laughs> what is it? 317. Good God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that may, now that you say that, it makes sense. But that is, well, that's the thing. He was always working. He was in everything. Right. He was in kids shows. He was doing voiceovers. He was in movies, television. Uh, he did it all, Fred Willard. One of the last things he did was uh, a Mickey Mouse thing, and he was Mr. Doozy, I think it said. Yeah, <laughs> that was the last voice, and Space Force was yep. the last live action. So he went out with a real whimper. But 
But he made up for it here. This is how we will remember Fred Willard, is this episode of Why You Laughing. And guys, if you like this episode, if you like other episodes, whatever, if you want to support the program, uh, then go to blindmike.net. That's where you can find all the links to the free show. Like I said, uh, give us some five-star reviews, like, subscribe, uh, tap the notification bell, whatever you got to do to support this program for free. Or if you'd like to support the show with a few bucks, then make sure you go to patreon.com slash blindmike. But the easier way to find that link is also at blindmike.net. And if you want to support the Craigster, then uh, all of those same links are at verygoodshow.org for all of his programs. Please, it would be a lovely thing to do. Yes, and a big big controversy in the world of Very Good Show. Oh, our friend Mike Harris uh, is on hiatus, it seems. So a lot of controversy going on there. Yeah, yeah, he'll be back one day, fellas. Don't worry. And ladies, there's some ladies, you know, can't discriminate. Eventually, eventually, so we've had Matt leave. Mike is left. Eventually, it'll just be me reenacting the clips I want to play. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what more do I have to do to prove I'm not going anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> and now we'll hear from Richard Pryor. Which <laughs> is <Just> me. <laughs> Actually, I would love to see reenact Richard Pryor, please. <laughs> do start with where he sets himself on fire. Yes. Well, there's an album I certainly couldn't promote <laughs> if I was Richard Pryor. <laughs> But anyways, uh, find all that wackiness. Like I said, blindmike.net, verygoodshow.org. Thank you guys for supporting the show, and we will talk to you next time on Why Are You Laughing?